Welcome back to the Three of a Kind podcast. I'm Shanice. I'm Jessica. I'm Sierra. And, uh, it's episode two. We're very excited. Yep. Uh, the purpose pivot. Yes. So get you some of that purpose. Let's begin. Um, yeah. So our take three question is that so now that the world is finally about to open back Hallelujah. up, um, June second. Um, what is what's one thing that you did, weren't able to do? When the pandemic hit that you're excited about doing now for me one just walking around without a stupid mask on oh is we doing that okay if uh, you're vaccinated apparently you can yes that's I've not been, getting into it i've been vaccinated but anyway <laughs> yeah. um just like hanging out you know going to the movies i really miss doing that that's good so that's probably the top of my list definitely for me the movies the movie theater can we just take a brief walk through just real brief you enter that door. Oh, you hand geez. the man that ticket. He says, you the man that left. You do that. <laughs> Please don't interrupt my story. <laughs> Theater is to the left. You head down that aisle to get those snacks. Popcorn. You would like to have candy. You got your candy, you got your drink. And then they ask you that question. Butter on the popcorn. You say, oh, yes. Butter on that popcorn. Walk down. Oh, long, this is a long corridor. Story. This is a long story. And you, you sit in those seats and you wait for the moment when that screen says coming attractions. Yes. Favorite part. I'm so excited. Favorite I'm part. so excited about going back to the movies. And I guess I would say movies too. Um, and, and can I just say people been doing stuff they're not supposed to be doing <laughs> this whole pandemic. So for some people it doesn't matter, but like um, cookouts without judgment. That's what I'm looking at. <laughs> that's what I'm looking forward to. And the weather. It's time. I need to be eating ribs in somebody's backyard. Girl, come through. Potato salad. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right. Let's get into it. Oh, our guest. Our guest is our first guest is Danielle. Gonna uh, give us a look into her purpose pivot, and we're excited. We're so excited. Thank you, sister, for joining us. We so love. All right. So let's get into it. So give us, let's go into the pivot first. So give us a brief look into what the pivot was, and then you can lead us down the, the path. Down the corridor. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So my purpose pivot would be actually my move to Colorado. I feel like that was one of the hardest decisions that I had to make in the shortest amount of time that made the greatest impact on my life and I would say Bridge's life for sure. So yes, my move to Colorado would have been the pivot that definitely changed pretty much the trajectory of the rest of my life, I would say, up to this point. That's crazy. That's crazy because I I know I wouldn't even me either. that wouldn't be something I think. Okay, this is Surprise. gonna be fun. <laughs> we moved to Colorado. What? Didn't know. Yeah, girl. You so know? No. So what time frame was that? I'm just curious. This was in 2010. I want to say because I feel like I came back in 2011. I was there for a little bit over a year. Okay. Yeah. Crazy. Okay. So tell us a little bit. Um. And and you you tell us you throw in what you want to throw in. We we want to hear from you, girl. So the mm-hmm. catalyst. So what do you feel like? Take us down the road. Take us down that corridor. 
Okay, so it's it's a long corridor, but we're gonna <laughs> do it. shorten it as much as we can. Um, so I would say the reason that I ended up moving to Colorado would be basically because I came pretty much to the end of myself. I had gone through a seven-year period, which looking back, I can recognize that it was definitely depression. But in that time period, I would not have labeled that. And I think mostly because of like the stigma behind it and just not truly understanding where I was mentally and emotionally to, to pinpoint like, hey, I'm depressed type of thing. Um, but I think that would have been probably about a seven year stretch where I was definitely depressed, just kind of going through the motions of life. Um, and I, I say this all the time and I don't think that she really understands how heavy the statement is, but I would say too, like Bridget literally saved my life. She is the reason why I got up every morning, did what I needed to do. And I mean, it wasn't the greatest experience, but I felt like that almost weight of having another life depending solely on you. Like she was literally a baby, so she couldn't do anything for herself. So my mentality in those seven years was like, if I don't do it, then nobody else will. So that was my reason pretty much for being, because outside of that, it was a little questionable. But um, so I would say that seven year period was the buildup. And then me just recognizing, like, I can remember vividly the point where I was, like, laying on my bedroom floor. Nobody was home with me. I'm ugly crying. <laughs> like, God, if you don't intervene, like, I'm not going to be able to make it. Like, I'm not going to be able to do it. I feel myself giving up. Like, this is not a good situation. And less than 30 days after that, I was on a plane to Colorado. Wow. Talk about a quick decision. Yeah. <laughs> right. And that literally, that wasn't even, I didn't know what I had in mind as far as like how it would turn around for me. It was literally just me crying out to God, like whatever it looks like, please do something. Because at this point, I'm over it. Um, and then he just let me to talk to dad and Renee. And it was funny because Renee already knew. Of course. In true <laughs> Renee fashion. She already knew. <laughs> she already knew that kind of what I wanted to talk to them about. Um, so that part of it was easier than I thought it would be, that whole conversation. Um, but quite literally, I gave away all my stuff. I traded in my lease on my car. I quit my job. I gave up my apartment. And I moved to Colorado with like no plan, no car, no job, no nothing, and a seven-year-old. And I was like, okay, God, seriously, this gonna have to be you because I'm a planner and I had zero plan. So that I feel like that move really stretched me to trust God in a way that I had never done before, like ever. So yeah, it was good stuff. Did you feel like a switch as far as like mental health wise, like immediately when you moved? But there was the flip side of that in that Pennsylvania was my comfort zone. That's where I grew up. That's the family that I like had relationship with like on a daily. So moving into Colorado was like moving with my family, of course, but then also taking into account that I didn't grow up with you guys. So we didn't have that. It was kind of like, I knew y'all, but I didn't know y'all. And I'm kind of like, how is it really going to be when I get there? And then 
me not really having as close of a relationship with dad up to that point. Like once I moved to Colorado, I feel like that's where the switch came where dad and I were able to have some very real conversations and kind of get a personal relationship on track. So the chaos that was in PA was still like brewing inside of me because there's that angst, there's that anxiety. I kind of left everything, but also packed up the emotions and, and moved that to Colorado with me in the beginning. But walking into the house, like I will say, there was like no other way to really describe it, but like a palpable peace. Like, you know how your home is supposed to be like your place where you can just, ha, you know, take a deep breath and move on. That I never knew. Like in PA, chaos was just chaos. When I came home, it was chaos. At work, it was chaos. So to like, to walk into a house where like I felt at peace was the craziest, but most comforting feeling ever. So that's why I say yes and no, because on the inside, there was great turmoil. But (laughs) (laughs) physically being in Colorado, like I felt a difference pretty much immediately. So I have a question and you might have already kind of touched on it. So you you talked about the seven year depression. Can you identify anything that came before the depression that kind of fueled that fire, like made that depression like settle, if that makes sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, So I feel like the way that I was kind of raised made made it much easier for the depression to settle, if that makes sense. So my ideals of like, my idea of what it meant to be strong. So not talking about your emotions, doing everything for yourself, not dependent on people, all that kind of like aided and abetted my depression because where now I have the tools where I can kind of identify and say, okay, I need to speak with somebody That was not a thing for me back then. So to me, watching my mom raise three kids by herself, I never saw her cry. I never saw her like, you know, she just got up every morning and did what she needed to do. So maybe she didn't even say words to me, but watching her do that spoke loud enough to where it kind of manifested in my life. So when I had Briasia, to me, that's what parenthood looked like. I ended up being a single mom and I watched my mom raised three kids by herself. So to me, it was like, you don't talk to nobody. You're in this by yourself. You saw your mom do it with three. So how dare you complain about doing it with one? So it kind of, that kind of thing. And then I think by nature, I'm just a very nurturing person. And I think a lot of people in my life, even to this to today, but like I handle it different. A lot of people in my life pull on me in different directions for help, for advice for a shoulder lean on for whatever. And I didn't understand the concept of giving things to God. So I'm just like, your problems, okay, strap them on here. And your problems, yeah, I'll take that. And I'm carrying my stuff and everybody else's stuff. And it just got super, super heavy. And I never grew up with the understanding of this is what depression looks like. In my mind, it was a sad person. It was a person who was down and out. So to me, if I put on a happy face every day, then I'm not depressed and I can call it something else. With that, along with 
therapy being like, uh, who does that? Therapy is amazing <laughs> for the record. <laughs> um, so I think all of those things, just watching things unfold as I was younger, some of the things that I was told as I was younger, not really experiencing people express their emotions at all growing up, all those things kind of like made a perfect storm for the whole seven year, seven year depression. Thinking back, I know you said you weren't fully aware of what it was during those seven years, but can you pinpoint anything, seeking out anything else for like a reprieve? Um, I I want to say, so like the relief, though I wasn't calling it depression, I wasn't talking to anybody about it. What I got relief in over those seven years, aside from just the satisfaction of being able to take care of Rage and all that she's good. Um, was writing poetry, journaling, and praying. And I really wish that my prayer life back then was more consistent because I feel like that too would have made a huge, huge difference. Um, but again, it just, I just allowed myself to be caught up in this whirlwind of like every day being tossed to and fro and just accepting it for what it was pretty much. And that was to my detriment. But journaling really, really got me through a lot of stuff. And I still have all my journals. So when you guys called me to do this, I read through some of them and I was like, <laughs> darkness. Oh, <yeah. laughs> darkness was upon me. It was, it was like, if I didn't know that I wrote it, I would have been like, Jesus, who wrote this and let me pray for that. <laughs> Yeah, those are good wow. things to look back on because yeah. it's so funny to step out of it. Mm-hmm. It probably mm-hmm. looked and seemed so much darker than it was when you were living it. Some yeah. of yeah. them, yeah, because that was my normal, right? Yeah. Right, it was like commonplace, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That's so good. So, another question, and again, I'm trying not to repeat questions, but I feel like there's so much that you have. So you talked about kind of the growing up and just what you believe, your truth growing up and how it just made it kind of commonplace for this to be. And you just do what you do because your mom did it. And shout out to mom. <laughs> yes. Um, so you said that at some point the, it started really fast in that 30 days you decided, you know, let's quit the job, let's leave the apartment, let's move to Colorado. Was there a what brought the boiling point? Was there a situation or was it just you? Was it communication with God? I feel like maybe a combination of things, but honestly, more so the fact that I was just tired. Like there was no other way for me to describe, but like spiritually, emotionally, not more so like physically, but a lot less, more so on the emotional drained. Like I just was, Literally, like I said, laying on my bedroom floor, just like, God, if you don't, then then I know that I won't because I'm tired. So it got to a point where um, I, at some points in that seven years, I was like working two jobs or working two jobs and going to school and still taking care of Brie. So just really feeling run down emotionally that caused me to cry out to God. And, and I'll be honest. Because, um, like I said before, my prayer life wasn't consistent. I did pray, but it wasn't consistent. And in that moment, it was more so a cry out of desperation than anything else. Like, it wasn't like me saying, okay, Danielle, 
you're getting to this point. So you need to do so. It wasn't that. It was literally like a day where I'm just like going through the motions of what I would normally do during the day. And I'm just like sat on the floor and started crying and was like, I can't keep doing this. Like I cannot keep doing this. So that's the beauty about coming to the end. Mm. <laughs> that's true. I mean, and, and it takes for me to, to realize too, like you're trying to do this in your own strength. And girl, failure. Failure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even for the last 30 days that I was there, it it was hard. And I feel like it felt not necessarily that it was, but it felt harder because I knew that an end was coming. So everything just started to feel like it was piling on me. Um, so but in those 30 days I had made it, you know, my thing like, okay, I'm just gonna lean on God and just Trust him and know. I remember talking to Daddy Renee, like, everybody keeps calling my phone and they keep asking me for this and I'm just tired of everything. And Renee's like, girl, take these last couple of licks and come on because you know that there's an end in sight. And and that's what I did. But on the boxing gloves, lessons learned, Danielle. Lessons learned. I'm not even going to add to that. Just lessons So lessons learned. So if I could... Danielle today, have a conversation with Danielle 2010 and before. Um, my whole, the biggest thing, and I feel like this came from Renee, I swear. I remember getting to Colorado. I don't even know if she remembers telling me this, but I swear I held on to this. She looked me in my face and she was like, girl, you need a good cry. And I remember thinking to myself, like, is that even okay? Like, and that's the sad part about it to feel like, you can't feel your feelings. So if I could tell myself something back then, it one would be, it's okay to not be okay. <laughs> it's okay to cry. And I feel like God surrounds you with people that love you for a reason. So to like lean on people and to confide in people, like it's a healthy thing to do. Um, and crying is not weakness and being like kind of in touch with where you are emotionally, even if it's not the best place, is not weakness. And just because everybody looks at you and says, oh, you're so strong, which I heard all the time, you're so strong. And I'm like, but I'm not though. <laughs> Y'all don't know, I'm not though. So I just would, would tell myself that, you know, it's okay to like be in touch with your feelings and get the help that you need, um, therapy, Dear God has been amazing for me. I would tell everybody, you should go to therapy. <laughs> you should go to therapy because it's it's been amazing for me. And I mean, even though I've come, I'm, I feel like I'm so far removed from that dark place where I once was. Like I still go to therapy. I still love going to therapy. It's just, I mean, it's something that I look forward to. So I feel like the stigma is so unfortunate. It's so unfortunate because everybody could use therapy. If you live in life, yeah. you yeah. need therapy. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> I hear it said all the time that like, you know, we do maintenance on our car to make sure it doesn't break down. Yep. We do the same thing for our mental health, mm. emotional, spiritual. Um, so I had a quick question. So knowing what you know now, like what... What are you doing to make sure that you don't go back to like the 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 depressive state that you were in? 
I guess that's the question. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. So the one thing would be therapy. I feel like that's the biggest thing. Um. I still journal on a regular. Um. I feel like it just keeps me centered. Um. I definitely seek God a lot to keep myself on a certain level of just being introspective. I feel like one of the hardest things to do for a person is to look within yourself and be like, girl, listen, you're going to need to work on it. It's easy for us to look at other people and say, you know what? They do this wrong and that wrong and this wrong. But to do that for yourself and take that inventory on a regular, um, that keeps me grounded. It really keeps me in touch with where I am in the moment. Um, I make it a point to, or I've made it a point and still do, to learn my triggers because triggers are a real thing. I mean, you can see a thing, smell a thing, hear a person's voice, and it will send you directly back to square one. Right. Um, so to learn my triggers and just to like have healthy tools to cope with emotion because it's an everyday thing. You There's no escaping emotions. You can sweep them under the rug all you want, but they're still there. You're just going to start having to step over a big pile of nonsense at one point. So I just feel like the biggest thing is to, like just said, you know, the, the maintenance and be consistent with that. Um, and just being honest with myself and where I am in the moment. I mean, if I'm not feeling okay, then that's just what it is. Um, and, you know, I take the, the steps to take care of that before, you know, I feel myself kind of slipping back to where I was. Because it makes me feel, like you said, like, it's okay to cry. It's okay to, you know, be not okay. Because when I think about mm-hmm. Christ, like, I'm sure he had plenty of moments where he was, like, he mm-hmm. says, like, take this cup from me. So, you know, I do definitely agree with that, that we do have to be, into, like you said, to tune with ourselves and our emotions, how we're feeling, and not mm-hmm. bottle it up and then let it just fester and mm-hmm. explode. And so, yeah, thing. do you find yourself um just pivoting better overall even if it's not like dealing with your emotional i guess your emotional state um state you find yourself a better pivoter um yeah i i will um i i say that i do just because i'm not in denial of what situations truly are cuz i mean if you're acting like you know you're going through life acting like or with your blinders on acting like nothing's ever a thing then you can't pivot from anything because you're telling yourself that the thing is not even a thing in the first place so um i would say yeah because i'm a lot more honest with myself and i'm quicker to call myself out like girl listen here okay this is where we're not gonna stay so and i think too with my prayer life being a lot more consistent the Holy Spirit does a super job of tinkering me on a regular, daily, hour by hour, hour by hour. Sometimes, sister, thank you so much. I'm so thank glad you did this for them. Mm-hmm. I learned so much. I feel like for me. Mm-hmm. Thank you for having me. I'm so nervous, but this this was good. This was not as hard as I made it out to be. You have so much wisdom. Now come on and here. Okay, we won't get into that. <laughs> But thank everyone for joining us for this, our second episode of The Purpose Pivot. Thank you again to Danielle. I love y'all. We hope you will listen and re-listen and take your notes and your inventory. (laughs) Make sure your bullseye stays straight. Make sure you got the good people around you. And stay up on that prayer life because the Holy Spirit got it. 
Um, we love you guys, and we will see you soon. Um, bye. bye. bye.